podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A big thanks to our sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. As someone who lives outside of Australia but likes to keep up with local sport, TV shows and news, NordVPN is my connection to what's going on back in Oz. And it's also my connection for F1 replays, particularly useful for those races which, for anyone outside of the UK, means getting up or staying up to a truly unreasonable hour. Or when Tommy T doesn't write back to messages and someone has to do some quick homework and jump on the podcast. But no matter where you are in the world, NordVPN can keep you safe online. Even if those sneaky snoops would only have learned that Campy holds the longest continuous streaming record of Real Housewives of Dallas. Head to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive or click in the link in our show notes for an exclusive deal just for our podcast listeners, including free months and, of course, that 30-day money-back guarantee. Hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. I have a particularly special guest on today's episode F1 Academy driver for Campos Racing, Maite Caceres, joins me in what I think you will agree is a pretty inspirational chat from someone who is just getting started in her motorsport career. Although when Fernando Alonso tells you to follow your dream, do you really have a choice? I hope you enjoy it. here on Lakeside Drive today by a very special guest, Maite Caceres. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a joy to have you here. How are you going? Well, thank you, uh, first of all, for your invitation. It's really a pleasure to, to talk with you and finally meet each other. I'm very good. That's great. No, of course, we're super keen to hear your story. We are following F1 Academy with a very close eye and we're so excited about this series. And we'll talk about F1 Academy in a little bit. But to get started, I just want to turn the clock back a little bit um, towards the early years. Motorsport has always been a big part of your life. Your dad was a rally driver, your brother's done testing. When did motorsport go from being kind of a family activity or an outing to you wanting to become a driver yourself? Well, that that is a really good question because um, as I was surrounded by motorsport, like I always felt the passion. But when I was like six, seven years old is where I started to feel like "Mm, maybe I want to do what you guys are doing. And I want to feel the adrenaline from the like driver uh, part. Uh, so that that is when I saw also on the karting tracks that there were kids my age, and I said, okay, yeah, if they can do it, like, can I can I do it? And that's when funny story is that they didn't let me. <laughs> yes, no yes, they didn't let me because my brother, well, he did the Minardi F1 test. And mm. he got into it. He got the contract and everything, but it was sold to Toro Rosso. So, right. yes, it was a little bit of, I don't want Maite to go to that path, to that hard path, because we know motorsports is hard. Sometimes you need luck. Sometimes you need mm. money. Um, most of it is, is really expensive. So also they, they want me to put the focus, well, my parents put me in hockey, tennis. I did yep. singing. Singing. 
And then <laughs> should we get a demo now, Maite? No. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did all these activities just to um well my parents put me in these activities just to like forget or maybe if I'm good in another one and I liked it. But I want I wanted so bad motorsports. And when I was 16, I met Fernando Alonso in the mm-hmm. in the WEC race in, in Sebring in Florida. And I told him, like, I, I really love what you're doing and I really want to become a driver. I know I'm late because I was 16 yeah. and my parents don't let me. He said, if you really want it, you will need to work hard for it. And this is not an easy path. But uh, show show yourself, and that is when uh, it was like a light that in it was inside my head, like like turn on, and I did tell them to my parents like, why my brother can race and I cannot, <laughs> and that was yeah. the story, and they couldn't say like no because I was in kind of way true. I told them I had good grades and I did everything and I behaved well. So, yeah. Have you met Fernando Alonso since then? Have, like, again, since those early years, have you met him again to show him what you're doing now? No, I didn't. We stayed in contact, but I couldn't meet him, like, personally. Even I was Mm. in the Barcelona GP this year, I couldn't meet him, but I I want to, and I would really like to tell him the story about it. Yes, definitely. I'm sure that's something that he would love to hear because I think it's really interesting for the more experienced athletes to know the influence that they've had on younger mm-hmm. athletes looking to move up in the sport. And he might remember that moment, he might not, but um, it's one of those things there. Sometimes it's a few simple words from someone who's living the dream, you know, he's doing what you want yeah. what you want to do. A few simple words can be so inspiring and it's something that I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about up and coming talent, but it's something that those experienced drivers really bring to the sport is that in inspiring of, of the next generation. It's interesting. So when you, when you wanted to start competing and you had that um, conversation with your parents, you said, I've done everything you wanted me to do. And I've, I've been, you know, applying myself to other sports. It's really interesting. I was chatting to Leia um, Signs recently, driving for Extreme E, and she was saying when she first started on her motorbike before she came a Dakar Rally hero, <laughs> there was no nowhere for her to race because there was no female championship for her to race in. So she just started competing against the boys and doing very well. I wonder, my question is, what was it like for you in, in Uruguay? Were there other girls competing? Were there women's races for you to enter in? Did you just go and race against the boys? What was that like in terms of trying to find your place in in, in the racing side of things? Well, that is a really interesting question for you to ask because this is something that usually uh, as a country of Uruguay, you know, people, we are 3 million uh, population mm-hmm. total in such a... We are not that small, uh, and we have a lot of territory, but we are we are small in population. Yeah. And um, so this is a really good question to ask because at first when I was a kid and I saw the them racing, I told them my parents that I wanted. I didn't know that I could do like races itself. I just wanted mm. to get into a car because that is why I didn't see any female representation, not even in F one. Not even in the other categories that I saw that my brother was racing. So I think that was a, a key part. Maybe I, 
if I saw women, I would push more when I was seven mm. or eight. But I didn't know that part that it was a really sexiest uh, sport. Um, but when I started racing, yes, there was two two female drivers, and um, being we have a, a good percentage of women racing now uh, than ever before. Uh, even in terms of comparison with another countries, in terms of um, the percentage of drivers that, are, that we are, we have like a 10%, 15% of women representation, uh, a lot in rally, um, co-driver, drivers, carding, new girls starting. And I think that for me is, uh, it, it gives me like so much joy because seeing all those girls who are like from little doing like want to do and scale into motorsports. Uh, I think that is great that, that in Uruguay we have that opportunity. We also have a commission, Female Sea Motorsports of Uruguay, uh, that sometimes we address issues uh, if there's someone that needs help or or they don't have like a family of history of motorsports and wants to get yeah. into sport. We, we try to, to help them. That's fantastic. It sounds like so much progress has been made in Uruguay in such a short kind of period of time because you know, it wasn't really that long ago before you um, when you got into into racing. Um, so quite a lot of movement then by the sounds of things. Um, and really interesting you talk about representation there and just how important that could have been for you and now you learn how important it would have been for you. Um, and obviously that's a big part of F1 Academy too in terms of having that that representation so that other young girls who are out there and interested can see that it's possible and and that there are some great things that you can achieve in a, in a racing career. When you started racing, did the boys treat you differently? Did they try and race you differently at all or did they just see you as some someone else in a helmet? No, no. It's totally different attitude towards you. Uh, at my first races that I was like, you know, getting used to the the atmosphere and everything. It, it was great. The the first race, I think I was, well, I, I was behind on quali. And as soon as I started to climb up, they knew I was me and they pushed me outside in each race. Uh, and no at way. First, yes, yes, totally. And I know most of girls happened the same when they started in, in guarding there. They saw mm. a different because I raced before uh, on that uh, a few weekends before that my first race, and they were they were nice. They were all super happy. Oh, Mike, there! We are so glad that you are here. A female presentation. As soon as I started winning to them and being faster, out of the track completely. Like super unsportive maneuvers that, that mm. you don't imagine. And I I could realize that that was something that's going because of me. And sometimes you feel comments. It's not everywhere, everyone that I want to say that. Yeah. Some, it's not that everyone because some other guys were super helpful because of this, yeah. because of this. So I want mm. to say like there were so super nice guys with me that wants to help me and to move forward. But others, yeah, they were doing comments uh, before like, oh, mm. my day, yes. And when I beat them, they were talking <laughs> but you know. it's it's really interesting you know it's that idea of okay you can be here but when you actually start winning or being successful 
you know, it's yeah. that idea of you can be here, but don't take up too much space or don't, um, you know, don't get too good. Don't get too senior. We see it in the yeah. workplace as, as well. Um, it's that idea of kind of, you know, you can be here, but mm-hmm. just don't be better than me. <laughs> yes. and, and don't be aggressive or, no. uh, and something, a comment that I love is uh, a woman can't beat you. But it was a comment from another guy that told him to another driver. And that is, that those things are like, come on, it's the, I think it's the only sport that women can compete with men in equal, mm. everything. Mm. So... So how did you respond to that when you when you heard those comments or you saw the way they were behaving on track, which is in a way even more concerning from a you know, danger, as I say, safety perspective, um, and like you said, very unsportsmanlike, how did you respond to that behaviour and those things going on? At first, I like the comments. I think it's fuel for me. Like I feel like it's getting hotter in myself and makes me push more. <laughs> it, it's just that. But when I, I, yeah, I, I'm not proud of that, but when someone got me off track, like completely ruined my race, yes, I could, I go and talk to them or be aggressive in track. I think sometimes you need to solve problems in track, not personally, because it's not, but if it was personally, I would come up and talk Mm. to them. Sometimes a a little bit too much, you know, uh, the heat of the the moment. Mm. But it's sometimes that it's not fair that you feel this way, that out of the, I don't know how to say that, like, it makes you feel like you're not part of this and that you're yeah. not deserved here. And I think mm-hmm. that is something that we need to change and um, now it's changing. Yeah. And like you said, there's a huge amount of progress and what has been interesting to lots of people who we've spoken to who are women working in the motorsport um field, whether they're drivers um, working in um, the corporate teams or engineers, whatever it might be, is there There have been those people who have tried to push them out um, metaphorically or physically on track, um, but there have been as many who have been really supportive, have seen their potential and said, you know, just keep your head down, mm-hmm. let your driving do the talking or let your results do the talking. So it's good to hear as well that you had some of those supportive voices too. Um, you must have have had a lot of determination um, at a young age and also clarity about what you want. You know, there's a lot of people who turn 18 and they have no idea what they want to do with, with their lives. You knew exactly what, what you wanted to do. How does that determination and clarity and focus help you now as you take on this next part of your career? I think it, it helped me develop the the person that I am today. Um, mm. Sometimes that we see drivers, uh, well, you can see drivers in F1. They all started like maybe, well, Max Verstappen started when he was 17 or something. And you can see that in that age, he was very mature and and determine, I think, that with drivers and when, when we compete, and this is a really hard sport, uh, maybe other sports also, I'm not saying the others, but uh, particularly in motorsports, it's really hard. Um, people are hard, comments, pressure, sometimes well, you have sponsors and you have a team that you need to work, that they put all your focus and you need to develop on track. And I think that makes you, um, that, that determination helps you to understand what you want and what is 
um, the focus that you need to do to do in each race, uh, and that is also you have all this part of the weekend environment that you have autograph sessions, media sessions, interviews. Mm-hmm. That sometimes the interviews are not as you want to because the interview. And you need, like, in half an hour, be ready on focus on your race. And I think uh, knowing what you want and, and being this high pressure um, makes you, like, change easily on, on those those things. Yeah, interesting. Like you said, it's helped you to, to develop to who you are now and to, to cope with that pressure and stay really focused. It's a really big step up from, you know, Carting locally um, and and being very familiar with your surroundings and being around family and things to international racing. What were some of the barriers that you experienced to establishing yourself in the international racing circuits? Mm-hmm. Um, most of, most of it that like the barriers that I that I felt is the Uruguay um, has a, a good motorsport level. But I don't have the same experience uh, as a, as a normal driver that now is competing. Mm. Uh, they started from a young age, seven years old. I started when I, when I was 16. And yeah. that sometimes um, not having the, the racing experience was was a little barrier. But I try always to to work hard in this path. Like uh, Fernando told me, uh, work hard. And I think if that is my... The only mentality that I have, because if I want to close the gap and and go a little the steps more higher, yeah, I need to I need to really forget about where I, I come from and just saying, okay, I need to compare with them as I was in the same level, and that really pushed me into each session that I do. Um, but yes, the the various uh, most of it is a. You know, climbing those steps when it was really high, uh, also coming from the U.S. to Europe, I think that was uh, a really big step for me. Yeah, like you said, you kind of have some very big leaps to take very quickly to yeah. catch up in a, in, in a way. Um, but those words from Fernando, obviously, sticking with you. I love that so much. It's such a great story. Yes, um, but obviously uh, some of the barriers are not not so nice to tell that mm. it happened to me that I I paid like a team for driving and the sponsors did a really good ex- effort and they didn't show up to the race. You have sometimes mm. those kind of barriers that, that people are not so honest, but I tend to forget about that and just <laughs> it, it, it happens. Sometimes sometimes life happens and this is one of the issues that, that you that you have and you need to focus on, on the good things as I always say. So well let's add persistence to that, you know, set of traits that we're that we're talking about here in terms of being able to just take those in your stride and and keep going. You're, you've been working for years and years, obviously, to compete at the, the level that you are now. And now you are here in the very first F1 Academy um, year. What are some of your hopes for what this series can do for your career? So in terms of participating in F1 Academy, where are you hoping that that will take you? Really, the objective of the F1 Academy is to, and the F1 is to get the next Formula, uh, one of the female drivers to Formula One. And I really 
hope to do that. I really want to get it into Formula One and I want to do the path and at least try it. You know, there is training drivers that only can make it in 10 teams. So I, at least try. I, I know for sure that I want to do my best until the last minute that maybe it's not from my side that the, or it's just luck or the moment. But I want to make sure that, that I try it. And I think that is where, where it's going to take me. Apart from racing, it has, it has taught me a lot, uh, a lot of contacts. Many drivers met. Um, it's, it's, you know, knowing campus, also working with them in their shop with a professional team. Uh, I think that is doing a Formula 2 and Formula 3. There's a lot that, that I'm learning here. Yeah. And I think I take that with me. And, and that is awesome. So learning lots outside the driving as well. Obviously, you've got that that goal, which is, I love that you say that out loud. I think it's really interesting when you, sometimes when you allow yourself to set a goal that's that's high, it might seem really difficult and it's hard to know almost how you're going to get there. Just saying it out loud is is really great. And I love that that is your goal is to to race an F1 and do whatever it takes to, to get there and go as far as you can. That's such an incredible dream to have um, and to be constantly working towards. And like you said, there's lots that you're learning currently, obviously the driving and the racing, but outside of that as well from the professional side of things and team and everything else. What are some of those those big learnings that and adjustments that you have made for, for the F1 Academy? Because I know, for example, like European tracks are wildly different to like yeah. the US tracks in terms of width and length and that type of thing. What are some of the things that you've been learning along the way? Well, um, well there's so many things that I... I <laughs> Just one or two. <laughs> uh, no, yes, the tracks is a main thing for me uh, because of the different layouts of... of how, how is the uh, how is the composition of the F, not the US tracks comparison to the European, um, but also uh, everything um, tire management. I I could say um, there's a lot of different technique in Europe. They use a different technique uh, for driving, so I need to really put my style into this new technique for me. But it, it's because it worked and I tried it. And I really like the combination that I that I have for both. Um, the opportunities also that brought me into here. I think being in this high level, I can see the other girls work hard. Also with my teammates, we we really push each other. So mm. I, but I think one of the most yes is about learning about the car. Also, I'm learning a lot. This is a really different car because it's not an F4, but it's not an F3. It has a different package of uh, aerodynamic kit and it has a little bit more power than the F4, but it's the same chassis. Uh, Also, that is new because I never drove a turbo. The last year in Formula 4, we didn't have that. So it's really, you need to manage it. It's not difficult, but you need to to bear in mind when you're driving on, on really maximizing the use of it and yeah there there's so many things i could say so but, many things. <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling, as soon as i started talking i said like oh and this and this and this yes yeah 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 more and more coming coming to mind and like you said some of those things might not be 
difficult necessarily or just, but it's different, you know, so it's an adjustment and that is a learning in and of itself. Did the Formula Winter Series help you to get set up with the team in terms of racing with, with Campos? Was the Formula Winter Series, how, how did that work in terms of prep for F1 Academy and, and working with the team? Yes, it was good prep. Um, I wish that I could have more but that is what what I had and I think it, it was good to know some of the tracks as Valencia and Barcelona that was on the F1 calendar and also yeah. understand the how they manage their races here in Europe because it, it was different and get to know the tire that it was Pirelli that I never drove in races I only did Hancock and Cooper um also the race starts uh, mostly in the US we did um um rolling starts and no standing ah, starts okay that must be a huge adjustment to make <laughs> yes exactly exactly so uh, some new things uh, but I think that helped me today to to build the the base you mentioned that um with your teammates you push each other and kind of encourage each other. Is there quite a strong camaraderie amongst all of the drivers in F1 Academy? Are they, have they, are you all learning from each other? I'm not sure how much you've raced against some of those, those girls before. What can you describe to our listeners, what the camaraderie is like and, and how you work alongside all of the other drivers as well? Yes. Mostly we have with our team and uh, with Nenea yeah. and Lola and that is where, where we all, uh, we share all our data and videos. So if someone do it better, uh, we tend we tend to to know that, and we share some comments about the track. So it's also a fast learning for us, and, and we push each other. And um, we race each other, race with Lola in sandboard also, and. Mm-hmm. and you know, with your teammate, you need to be more careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, of course. <laughs> It's usually what happens, and we tend to to work also on track. And if the, if she's doing a, a fast lap, or I'm doing those kind of things, and I think that commander that you say is is on on our side. With the other girls, it's really different because we are in other teams, and and yes, we we say hi, we see each other, but um, I think as we don't have that many moments of sharing together because we are yep. in different teams. So we tend not to discuss, but I, well, I'm friends with one of the other drivers. So maybe we have dinner and everything. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Interestingly as well, it's we've talked about this on our podcast a few times, just how international the lineup is, which is just brilliant. I'm loving the diversity and nationalities and backgrounds and everything else. How does that work in terms of language for you guys? Because I imagine that there's there must be a lot of uh, Spanish speaking in in the paddock. I can imagine just looking at where people are from. Do you talk to your engineers in in English? How does that work? And because I know sometimes with even translations, like you're obviously and you're very kindly doing this in, in English with me. Um, but there's that process of taking that information in, sometimes translating it, and then having to respond in a different language how does that work um for for you guys well it, it's really usually motorsports we tend to, to speak in, in english because there's mm. always something that maybe a mechanic or engineer who doesn't speak spanish and yeah. in this case it's lola lola yeah. <laughs> spanish she understands she she tries really hard and she's good but yeah. in terms of 
terminology of uh, mechanical issues or the guard we tend to speak in English. With my engineer, she's uh, from Venezuela. Uh, we speak we speak in Spanish, but as soon as we need a debrief with the team, we 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 do we do it in English. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the the category is in English and everything. But I I think is. Usually, if the radios will broadcast, I think that will be in English for sure. Yes, yeah. It's, it, I do find it quite a, a fascinating element of motorsport in particular, and we do talk about this um, when we're chatting about Extreme E quite a lot with teammates um, and just how much easier it is um, if you're both able to speak your native yes. language because there's not that translation barriers um, or even delay, time delay of having to think about um, that, that communication and making sure the interpretation is accurate. accurate and, and yes, sort of it's thing. more precise, as you say. Mm. It's more precise when, you, when you're when you in your uh, language, in your native language, you, you're, it's much faster and easier. Uh, sometimes it happened to us, uh, Nerea and myself, that we want to be super specific and precise and we say, okay, uh, in Spanish, this yep. and this <laughs> and in English we'll translate like this and then we try to go back and I think that is a good thing about having a uh, Spanish speaking team because yeah. when you need to be like really a problem you can be super precise because mm. that detail could be quite different especially with such a you know, motorsport and racing it's such a specific sport it can be these little tiny yeah. little details that can make a huge difference yeah. so you want to make sure that you know what you're trying to communicate is being received accurately and saying the right thing. That's that's fascinating to me. So, look, at the time of recording, you've just scored your first points in F1 Academy Racing, which is very exciting. How did it feel to crack that milestone? Yes, it was really good. I have to say that I wasn't that happy. After <laughs> <laughs> I finished. Um, because... Yeah, there was a safety car and I think mm. that I could have gone more uh, into more points because my pace was really good. So it was a little like uh, frustrated and ha- frustrated happiness. Yeah. Um, of course, I was happy with the points. I don't want to be like, ah, but I could have done more because everyone says that. But I really saw the opportunity and yeah. after that, the, the safety car. I got some uh, rubber on my tires and I couldn't manage. So at the end of the race, I was more like defending the position that, oh, that I wanted to overtake and the ninth and eighth. But uh, if we say the safety car wasn't there, I could have gone more. Um, that, that is also racing. Uh, so yeah, it was like a milestone. I was super happy because of me. The, the season was really a struggle. I did a top 10 but on the race two that was inverted mm. so yeah. I, I didn't have points so you know uh, this is also good and I think it's the first start usually when you do this step then the others are so much much easier we know where we lack pace and so now we need to work even harder and now I made it I need to yes <laughs> It's like step by step. Constantly building on on the last achievement, absolutely. And like you said, that that it's tricky when it's bittersweet like that. You know, you can be excited about the point that you got yeah. but also knowing that you could have done more, which is challenging when you're experiencing yeah. lots of emotions at the same time. Yeah, um, I think it makes me like be hard on myself but also mm-hmm. 
Talking about next steps, the next race is Monza in just over a week's time. How are you preparing? It is pretty much the opposite to most US tracks that you probably would have raced. You know, you've got these long straights. It's it's very, very different. How are you getting ready for Monza? Well, it's a, it's a really good track for me. It gives me goosebumps saying, like, I, my dad is going to Monza. <laughs> uh, from Uruguay, it's like the Temple of Peace. Uh, makes me, like, dream and someone please finish me because it's yeah. amazing. Um, and, yeah, the, the preparation. Well, now you see me. This is the hotel I'm staying in Valencia because... I'm with the team now doing mm-hmm. working uh, a lot of uh, exercise. We we tend to talk about uh, what did I want to improve in terms of strength uh, on racing. So mm-hmm. I went to the gym here and we talk and we change a little bit about my routine. Um, but yeah, mostly the same. We study the lines. Uh, other onboard videos and we prepare where are the corners that I'm going to be like. Uh, my weak points and my strong points on uh, in that we tend to to work towards our goal. Lots of work then over the course of of the next week. It's it's lovely because I can see in your face and body how excited you are to be there, which is just a joy to be able to witness, to see someone so excited about what they're doing. And that's just such a pleasure to see. It's really exciting soon, not not just yet, but soon. I think it's October. Um, we'll see the F1 Academy racing in line with F1 in Austin and we'll see more of that in 2024. You're rubbing your hands together. Um, You're obviously as excited as I am and that will be the first time for this season though. How do you think F1 Academy will benefit from aligning with the Formula One calendar and what are you most excited about? Um, I think but first of all, the, all the calendar of ourselves was in the F1 tracks, unless uh, uh, Valencia. So for me, I was just excited for me this calendar. If you tell me this calendar was for next year, I was also being so happy because the, these amazing F1 tracks are so good. But I think the benefit of being with F1 is um, is that the in a way, it's good the, the exposure that it has, the fans, but exposure it means of fans, you know, and, and maybe the the race will be broadcasted that I know that everyone wants it, everyone is going to... We do, like, <laughs> we do. <laughs> yes, I know, me too, but uh, yes, this is what it has, and I think we can benefit uh, about that and the atmosphere and to feel what these other categories are feeling and how prepared of, you know, sometimes it's a lot mentally um, and yeah. I think it's great that, that we need to share this opportunity and also for us to show ourselves you know we, uh, our main goal is to be an F1 if we the F1 team sees us or everything is really good. But it's not just all racing for you Maite, chemical engineering <laughs> just quietly. Uh, how are you finding the juggling of coursework, training, racing calendar and was motorsport a part of contributing to your interest in that area or is that something you've always been been interested in? Um, I, I always loved chemistry. Like I was super fascinated about that and I, since I was a kid. So it, it's a little bit of, of like my other passion and then I wanted to comply with um, racing. That's why I wanted to do chemical engineering because I can 
be open about what part of motorsport I want to go. I think more about uh, fuels um, and different um, sources of energy. Well, now we have a lot going on with the electric cars, hydrogen, and, and everything. So more of that side. And how I complied with racing is a little tough. It's really difficult because the racing calendar is like when I'm super in school, <laughs> the exams and everything. And chemical engineering is really tough. It's really difficult for me. I don't know for for but for me, it's it's really difficult just just by itself. <laughs> and mm. then with racing so I'm doing it slowly really yeah. slowly but and I tell to myself that at least I'm doing it and my and my parents uh, really helped me with that they're not they don't put pressure on me like my day you need to pass this in this year all your subjects no no they're telling me like take it slow it's fine um so I'm happy with that and well I I'm hoping that this exam goes well <laughs> Yes, I'm sure they will. You are one of the most determined, persistent and resilient people who I've ever spoken to for this podcast, honestly, and I'm not just saying that, absolutely just in awe of you. Um, And on that note, Maite, we wish you all the best for all of it, for studying, for racing. We can't wait to see where your career takes you. Thank you so much for joining us on Lakeside Drive. No, thanks to you. It was really a, a pleasure to, to be on your podcast. And, well, I wish everyone the best and hoping to see you in one of the races. Sports Social Podcast Network.